Welcome to Shed Life. All right, everyone. I'm really honored to say we've got Mr. Monty Panasar on the pod here today. How are you, mate? Uh, very good, thank you. Yeah, I'm really How's good, mate. Really good. Uh, how's your lockdown and stuff been, man? It's been a it's been a weird period, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been an interesting period. Um, I think a lot of people have uh, tried to, um, uh, you know, stay patient with it. But I think now it's getting to a point where, where where people want to go out and about. You know, it's really really warm weather, and and everybody wants to be out out and about partying. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen some of your um, tweets and stuff. I think your your maybe your take on sort of the government's policies around this easing of lockdown um, they're quite strong I would say right so um, how do you think they're sort of managing out of lockdown and you know gen- general thoughts on the coronavirus I guess it's still in society right yeah well if you look at um, you know the R rates going down the death count is going down so I think with the government they they are they are they don't want a second outbreak. Like you look in America, it's just happening and also um, other parts of Europe. So for them, it's about making sure there's incremental, gradually get the economy back and up, up and running. And also, um, you know, we don't have a second outbreak. So they're just being a little bit um, cautious with everything. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, man, um, that's right. I mean, the second wave, uh, it could easily happen, isn't it? So who knows what to do in this situation? Yeah, I mean, how are you keeping? How are you sort of been keeping busy and stuff, man? I mean, are you are you still playing cricket? What, what's the latest? Because you never really like retired or anything, did you? I mean, no, you I haven't retired. So yeah, so I'm going to see if I can get back playing again and uh, try and see if if I can get back, you know, get get cricket back on the cards, which would be really good. I'll I'll really probably you know enjoy the opportunity to 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 get back playing again. Um, so yeah, um, let's see if if there's an opportunity anywhere. No, absolutely. I mean, what kind of other stuff have you been up to um, uh, apart from cricket? I've been busy with like doing sort of you know media thing, interviews. Um, I talk on LBC sometimes on certain topics, BBC Radio London. Um, I've got a Monty channel which I put out a fitness video on a daily basis to connect with the fans. So yeah, trying to see if I can you know keep keep myself busy in the media broadcast broadcasting world. Hmm. No, fair enough, man. Yeah, I think I saw a few. Um, I saw a bit of you actually on Sky Sports and stuff like that when they had that sort of watch along to some of the um, old Test matches and stuff. That was uh, it's quite good to see, man. Um, mate, I want to ask you, like, so your your career. I mean, I want to sort of get your thoughts on your career as a whole, especially for England, because um, you were like a, a real like kind of cult hero figure for English fans. I mean, you were like the first Sikh player to ever play for England. I mean, all these sort of um, things that, you know, brought you into the forefront for England for so many years. I mean, how does that sort of sit with you? Like, is it something which you look back on like real pride or is it something where you feel, oh, maybe you should have done more? Or do you, you know, what's your kind of opinion surrounding all that? Um, I, I think um, I could have probably played a few more test matches, taken a few more wickets. Um, you know, my body still feels fit. I'm still able to, you know, turn and, and, and turn, turn, turn and, and bowl. Um, so, yeah, so, like, that's why there's still that desire. It feels like I've kind of missed the boat on my, you know, great years as a spinner. 
where I didn't play much and I still feel I've got, you know, quite a lot of years left in me. No, that 32 to 36 is real, is, is, is a golden age for a spinner and, and, I, and I don't really capture it. Well, what, why do you think that is though? Like, what, what would you kind of put that down to, do you reckon? When I had a couple of injuries, then, you know, when I did come back to North Ants, my shoulder wasn't quite right. Um, and then, and also there was, you know, um, just trying to sort of, yeah, just, you know, just, just I, th I think I was just going through sometimes slightly more difficult, um, you know, just, I think what it was, you know, with some certain injuries not being right and, and the timing of, you know, when I had my shoulder injury, I couldn't, like my, I didn't get my back and my shoulder muscles strong enough. And if they were stronger, I would have to throw better, I'd have to bowl better. So I think uh, from that point of view, it's just the timing wasn't right. And, you know, sometimes then when the timing isn't right, you know, counties move on and they want to then, you know, possibly play youngsters. But if that, that time when they gave me that moment, if my shoulder was strong enough and all my back shoulder muscles were strong and, and everything was good, I reckon I would have, you know, I would have continued playing. And, and that's what happened. It was just, you know, bad timing, you know. Um, for me, when I played, I, I don't think my shoulder was 100% fit. Mm. No, that's fair enough, man. Completely understandable. I mean, I've seen on your, um, some of your feeds, you're, you're doing a lot of fitness stuff now as well. I mean, you're saying you feel great now. Do you, would you say you feel in even better shape now um, without the shoulder injuries and the back problems? Or is that, you know, is that... Yeah, I'll probably say, I'm, I'll probably say I'm, I'm in a better, better fitness shape now than I was when... Um, you know, a few years ago, and partly because you know I've I got a PT you know involved with, and I had a PT trainer, and I, and I wish I had that when I played for England, because it makes a huge difference when you're uh, training with a PT and 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 you're like um, you know you, you get you get stronger in the areas that you need to get strong, and 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 you get strong and you become more athletic because you do more body weight sort of exercises, so I think it does yeah it does help having a, a PT. I mean, that's that's a bit strange, don't you think? Because like a professional sports nation, like uh, playing cricket, um, they don't have maybe that right physios or trainers, you know, to keep everyone, look after each individual member of their squad um, to get them right 100% for their series and stuff like that. I mean, is that is that something you've noticed has changed maybe from when you were playing and before to when you see cricketers now? Because um, if you look at cricketers now, I mean, majority of them will be in actually really good shape, do you know what I mean? As, uh, compared to maybe years ago, even before you were playing, that wasn't always the case. I mean, it seemed like a bit more laxed in the fitness side of things. Yeah, I think people are a lot more fitter because of T20. The game's a lot faster, so people want to, um, you know, they want quick results. They want people to be quicker, hit the ball harder, be athletic, and that's what the T20 games um, asking people to do. So yeah, I, I, I do believe that people are a lot fitter, and, and I think. The Indian team is a real f much fitter team. And to be honest, whatever India does, everyone tends to follow. So if the fitness levels of India is higher, it means all the other... Like India wasn't the fittest team, but because the fitness levels have gone higher, it, it makes the other teams, which were naturally into more fitter, to get fitter as well. So I think India is raising the bar for fitness across all the other nations. Because if India become the fittest team in the world, it would mean that something like England, Australia, South Africa are doing something wrong and they want to remain to be fitter. But I don't know who is the fittest. But mm. I think that change of what Virat Kohli has done 
he's changed the attitude of this Indian team. Everyone looks slim, fit. That yeah. India team never used to be like that. So that in general, you've seen a change in fitness levels across all, everyone. It's like, wow, if the Indian team are really fit, we need to get fit because it's just a stereotype kind of thing. But I think, you know, the Indian team is, is a lot fitter now. Yeah. I mean, why do you think they did that though? Was that a change in, in terms of a mentality from the coaches, like a specific coach? Or maybe like Kohli, uh, individual players. Uh, why, why do you think they went down that route? Did they, did they maybe spot a gap in, in the market, if you like, for saying, wait, if we're much fitter than the other team, whether it's 2020, uh, 2020 or not, we're going to be, yeah. you know... Look, I, yeah, I think it's just there's IPL, the introduction of IPL, the mm, introduction okay. of the brand of IPL. If IPL wants to be the best brand in the world, it produces fit cricketers, produces amazing cricketers. Produces, you know, just just the whole brand itself, and 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 it helps across all other boards, you know. Like, yeah, now you've got to have supreme level of fitness, or else um, people uh, won't be, um, you know, uh, you can only you can't play all forms of the game. That's true. I mean, speaking about the the different forms of the game, what what's your thoughts on kind of how that's developed? Because you know, the traditional ones would have test matches and ODIs, um, and now you said obviously T20's been around for for for, for a fair while now. But, you know, the introduction of the 100, which was meant to start this year and things like that. How do you feel this is sort of, um, uh, sort of affecting cricket? Do you reckon it's improving it, making it more global and, you know, more better advertised kind of? And uh, how do you sort of feel, you know, this is a kind of effect of the whole sport? Uh, well, I think what, what it's doing is that um, I think with T20 cricket and also with introduction, um, well, since we won the World Cup, there's, there's just been that change of shift. You know, younger players are coming through and they just seem to, from ball, ball one, just whack it out of the ground. And, you know, there's a, a notable, you know, like, 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 like Ban, Ban Banton from, you know, Somerset. And just young cricketers are just... You never saw that. I've never seen that fearlessness. It's just like, right, you just got to go in and whack it out of the ground. And, and that's what people are doing. And, and that's what they're telling them to do. And it's something that they're teaching them to do because that's how the game has changed. So that's the biggest change I think we've seen in cricket. What, but what was your kind of um, stance on in terms of these different formats? Like, were you just, oh, I, I would love playing test cricket. Like, this is what suits my game, especially, or... Did you, or, you know, did you maybe think I should have excelled more in Odo or maybe I should have tried my hand more at T20? Maybe it was overseas and stuff like that. Yeah, look, I should have probably played. I could have played more T20 games. Um, played a lot of test matches. So, yeah, for me, it was, um, like I say, it was uh, a little bit difficult because I wanted to, um, you know, play all forms. But, you know, if I'm buying lots of overs in test yeah. cricket, then it's difficult. You know, you need a bit of rest as well. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It is, yeah. But, mate, that probably didn't help the injury stuff, right? I mean, the amount of overs you got bowl in a test match, if you'd sort of transfer that across to playing multiple T20 games or ODIs, because it's a set number of overs you can bowl, that, that probably might have uh, prolonged, um, you know, the injuries from kicking in, maybe. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit longer for these, you know, to, to, to recover. And the overs are bowled, maybe I rushed it, you know. Maybe I should have taken mm. my time. And, and then giving myself a better chance. But, you know, hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, sorry, so um, I want to know your kind of, um, your relationship with the fans, especially the England fans. I mean, like we mentioned earlier, you were basically a cult hero. You still are to this day. But what was your kind of relationship with them? Was it, 
completely positive? Did it help spur your game on? Or was there any evidence of when maybe things weren't going your way that maybe you felt um, sort of picked out on maybe? Yeah, look, I think with the fans, it was... Um, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think with the fans, it was um, always... Um, yeah, always connected with the fans. You know, it was just like a human element, human connection. Um, even with the fitness videos, you know, everyone loves them. And mm. it's just, yeah, it's something just, maybe it's just the way I play the game or the way I, I, I enjoy, you know, playing cricket and the way I got involved, um, you know, with the England team that I was able to, you know, connect with the fans. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so we mentioned earlier as well, you are, you are the first Sikh player to ever play for England, which is obviously a big, uh, big honour. Um, did you ever suffer like any sort of, I don't know, any racism, whether in your own camp, whether it be from the fans or oppositions, or did you think it was generally uh, quite void of that? You, you didn't really suffer any of that? Um, I didn't really like that. Sometimes it's, 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 a, it's a mindset, isn't it? It's like if you're running mm. towards your goal, you know, you have a mindset, you don't want any comments to, um, um, you know, affect your, let's say, you know, your pace towards the target. And I was like that very much. I was like, I just want to play for England. I want to get to the England team and I want to, you know, that was my goal. I didn't, and I didn't let any comments, anything, what people said about me to stop that. I was just full on running towards that target. And, um, that was my attitude and mindset. Now, people, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's not built like me. Everyone's built their own way. And sometimes a certain comment or a thing can, you know, can disturb a person mindset and they may need to address that issue. For me, I was just full on, you know, I was just like, right, I want to play for England. And, you know, people, there's going to be people who's going to say negative things about me, positive things, but I'm just going to get to the top. And that was it. That was my focus. So for me, I didn't, I didn't take any notice of any racial comments or anything like that because my mindset was, you know, to play for England. No, absolutely. But you're, you're not saying that it didn't exist. You're just saying you were more headstrong. You just sort of um, cut that side of things out, but it might still have been there. Look, everyone, you know, people may call you a curry muncher, deli belly, um, Indian breath or whatever. But, you know, bobblehead, you know, got hair on my head or whatever. But you're like, Look, man, if, 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 if comments like that are already going to affect me, how am I going to, when I get to the top, how, how am I going to deal with that? No, you're right. You know, no, absolutely. It, 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 I sometimes think racial comments is a reflection on your mental strength as well. Like, you've got to be mentally strong to deal with it. And if you need to address it, address it. But you're also going to be mentally tough to tackle and get yourself to the top. That's what you need. You need to get to top of that mountain, how are you going to do it? You just have to, you know, be strong, strong enough to do that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so listen, mate, I'm, I was looking through the um, your first biography uh, this week, and I know you were talking about mental health and stuff like that, mental toughness. There was some quotes in there about um, how maybe you might have suffered through bouts of this uh, mental struggles, kind of. Was, was this something, first of all, you feel comfortable talking about, and secondly, was this going on whilst you were playing? Was this after you re uh, not retired? Sorry, was it after you stopped playing England for England? Uh, if you can, if you can, and you don't mind, if you want to talk a bit more about this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, sometimes when 
you know, if I'm taking wickets and I'm performing well, sometimes your own performances can sugarcoat what's going inside. And I think sometimes what you need to do is like, have that conversation. And that's why I think sports psychologists, teammates, friends, families, you know, you need to have people around you who can actually uh, help you towards uh, talking. You know, talking is important with trusted people. So that sometimes we don't do enough. Or when I was there, I probably didn't do enough. And I just thought I'd take three or four wickets today. Um, and that will give me the endorphins and I'll feel mentally good. But what about when, when you rely on your performances and they don't end up happening? You know, you don't end up performing that well. Then suddenly, you're not, you're, where's your feel-good factor? Where, where, where's the thing that you're looking for that makes you feel good about life? And that's why when you talk to someone, you can offload all of that stuff instead of relying on your performances. And I got to a point where I relied on taking wickets to make me feel good mentally. And when that didn't start happening, then suddenly the issues that were underneath started to emerge. And then I started to realize, well, I need to speak to someone about this. And so then I started talking and then realized like alcohol, I was using alcohol as a way of giving me the boost, you know, watch an mm. Arsenal game, go to a pub. It's so accessible. Yeah. Like yesterday, like Liverpool one, or you watch, you know, a top team football, sit there, have a pint. And you kind of think, well, oh, this feels really good. So this could mm. be my way of feeling good now. You know, I can go and watch the football, have a drink with my mates or go to watch a football and have, just have a drink. You know, you feel like, you feel great. Go home and think, oh, gosh, I feel really good now. I'm going to go to sleep. But you don't realize you're using the alcohol as a, as a medication and you, you need to talk. You know, you can't sugarcoat things. You can't sugarcoat your mental health with performances, with alcohol, medication, this and that. Talking, you have to talk to someone about your feelings, your thoughts. And wow, you need absolutely. to have, you need to ask yourself, who are my you know, few people that I have that I can talk to? And if you don't have that, then that, you know, you need to start working on relationships. You need to maybe go and see people or, or go and speak to like a sports psychologist or whatever. So these things are important, you know, that you have a trusted network of friendships or healthy people around you that you can speak to. You know, you can't, you don't want acquaintances. You don't want, oh, I know everyone, but no one knows me. Like who, who, who am I as the bloke? You know, who's the people that know me really well? Who's the one that knows my strengths and weaknesses, knows how to make me feel good without me even talking to them? Who's the person that, you know, will understand me? And if you don't have that in your life, then what you end up doing is you end up like sugarcoating it by keeping yourself busy, you know? You keep yourself so busy that actually you're not trying to <laughs> discuss, what, oh yeah, I'll just do loads of work. You know, in, in our mm. culture, like British Asian culture. Mm. Oh, son, nothing is wrong. Just do two hours extra in the shop or do it extra, you know, do overtime. Nothing is wrong. Work hard out. You'll be fine. And that's it. That's our way of like, cool. You know, we don't, we, we can't, we don't want to address it. But sometimes talk it, you know, talk it through. Just talk about your feelings and your thoughts. You know, you could feel like, oh, I feel like, you know, I just feel I've trained so hard and I feel like I don't want to train today. Talk about your feelings. Talk about your thoughts. There's nothing wrong with talking about your feelings. You know, that's a healthy, mature way of you know, dealing with a healthy mind. Absolutely. 
I mean, but that, 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 um, to get into that point, like what you said, is something we've talked about on the pod this week, actually. Um, taking that first step of actually opening yourself up and talking to someone, that, I mean, I'm just thinking yourself, personally, that must have been even more difficult. I mean, being in a sort of um, quite a, uh, a, 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 a male-dominated environment in your um, dressing room around all these cricketers, how easy would it have been to you to open up and say, oh, lads, like, look, I'm going through this, that, the other, do you know what I mean? Uh, so taking that first step, how did you well, kind it, of conquer it? It was, well, partly it's my fault because I haven't, I haven't invested time in the relationship. So like, you know, like we have meetings and we have like, you know, with schedules. Mm. During the week, have your little schedule where you just ring up your friend, see how they are, ring up your other mate, see how they are. Just, you know, schedule in little calls. Because you, you, at least you're developing good relationships with them. And then eventually, you know, they will call and check in on you. You'll call and check in on them. And that, that's, that's really important, you know, that you have that healthy relationship where, you know, you just, just ask them how they are. That's it. You just want to know, hey, how's it going? Having a bit of a chit chat. How are you? How's things? And that's it. But what you're doing, I didn't do that. You know, I didn't, I didn't like out of England team, I wish I'd, rang up some of my England teammates and just just mm. rang them up and they'll be like, oh, Monty's giving me a call. Yeah, what's up, mate? How's it going? It's like, yeah, just, you know, I thought I'd just give you a call, see how things are, you know, have a bit of a chit-chat. And I, and, 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 and if I did that, I think, you know, um, people in, uh, well, I mean myself, my team, I would have known, you know, like I can go to one of my cricket mates because I invested that relationship two years before, you know. I, yeah. I, I went to, like, went to the... You know, I, 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 I'm the one who knocked on the doors or I went to see, oh, let's have a coffee or come in there, let's go and play FIFA or let's do something. And then that's what I'm trying to say now is for these youngsters, do this, you know, make that extra effort. You know, if you're, if you're on a tour, just make that effort. Go and knock on your, one of your teammates. Go and just, you know, do something that's not cricket related because you're developing this friendship with someone. And then... They would, they would, they would, they'll, they'll be there for you. But it's more about you, not you know, like in being in denial. You know, you, you, that's what you need to do, and that's something I learned. And you know, then I started to do that. You know, yeah. <laughs> I to like, I'll, I'll go to like, you know, test match venues. People first thought, oh, we haven't seen Monty for ages. I went there and I went to speak to everyone, and because I was trying to, you know, connect with them. Not from a cricketing perspective, from a friendship perspective, and 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 now you know, yeah, you just do that more often because then, yeah, if, you know, if you need to speak to anyone, you can always do it, and uh, I think it's important. And I, th I sometimes believe that we don't talk about it enough, you know, in cricket environments and team environments. It's like, guys, yeah, you know, what's our training plan? Also, you know, if I was a cricket coach, I'd say, guys, you know, um, after the test match, you know, I want guys to interact. You know, yeah, we'll go downstairs, meet up with everyone, knock on your teammates' door, no, make sure no one's alone. Mm. Um, go and go and speak to another person in the team. You know, like, uh, like you know, mix it up. You know, I don't want yeah. the same group of people together. I want everyone to you know interact with each other in a different way. And we and we will maybe we'll have that after the game where, you know, I will say a list. I'll say, go on, you go and speak to him, or you go and speak, or you do something with him, an activity or a team activity, because it's it's yeah, it's just. It's important to have good, healthy relationships. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, so all right. So you, so you didn't open up to your England teammates about any of it. 
um, you said you spoke to a sports psychologist um, and then eventually family and people like that. Um, well, it was my family. It was my family. They, they saw certain my behaviours, just not what Monty's like. And then my mom got in touch with Lord Singh, which my mom, you know, his, her wife, Lady Singh, they're like really good friends. My mom just sort of talked, she goes, Look, I, I know he's not going to listen to us because he's like being in this denial thing, but I think we should, you know, maybe get him in touch. So Dr. Bell, who is the son-in-law of Lord Singh, I went to see him, he's similar to my age, he's a doctor, we just sat, we talked from a medical perspective. And then, yeah, you know, then things started to change, change, change place. So, you know, my parents were quite, let's say, forward-thinking people where they realised that, I mean, he's not going to listen to us. Mm. So maybe he'll listen to a family friend who's in the medical profession and then, you know, that's the way to get him to, like, you know, you know get, get better, you know, and, and, and that was it. Really. No, absolutely. I mean, so to this day, are you still managing it or would you say um, kind of the worst is behind uh, you? Like... I, I realised by going through that and through conversations, because I started to talk about these things, Yeah. I realised that my relationship with alcohol wasn't great because I, mm. I, I didn't realise I was actually using alcohol as a way of feeling better. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah, I get um, you. I get you, yeah. Yeah, and then I realized, okay, I need to stop drinking alcohol. So when I stopped drinking alcohol, I felt like, wow, I don't feel that great. And then I speak to the doctor about it. I speak to my physios when I was in Australia and, and, and other friends and everyone. And um, they go, see, you're going through now this painful process where you cannot rely on it to feel good. You've got to do something else. So you've got to have a do list, right? I don't feel great, so I'll go to the gym. Or I don't feel great, I'll watch a funny movie. I don't feel great, I'm gonna ring up one of my friends, which I never used to do that. I just never valued. I thought friendship just happens when you're on the field, when you're together, but making that extra effort just to ring up a mate and see how he is, I never used to do that. So I started doing that. And I started to develop a friend circles and I thought, wow, I've actually got quite a lot of friends and a lot of friends in the cricketing world as well. Like it was my own sabotaging beliefs that I thought I didn't have any friends, but actually there's a a lot of helpful people in the cricketing community. And then I'd, yeah, so then it became, then I started to do the, and I, and I just, you know, speak to the physio and, you know, uh, in Australia and, and he said, yep, keep going, you know, keep doing these things. And, and, yeah, and gradually I just got off the alcohol and I realized, right, you know, I'm not going to use alcohol. I'm going to get better. And, and, and faith was another thing, you know, faith was a way of just getting away with things. Um, and, um, you know, not using faith, faith as a way of not dealing with the issues because sometimes you've got to deal with the science you know sometimes it's a chemical imbalance sometimes there's a feeling that you don't feel good so sometimes i will do something related to faith i don't know just like you know listen to some of my you know like like hymns seek hymns we call it which is kirtan um or go to the temple and just congregate with people because loneliness is a breeding out of mental health issues as well so i started to congregate with people so i didn't feel alone and I thought, I'm going to battle it like that. Rather than tell someone that actually I don't feel great, I'll just congregate with a group of people. And in that community, afterwards, when I came off it, I thought, yeah, I feel better. And that was it. That's how I did it. And um, I, I'm, I'm back 100% mentally fit now. Perfect. That's great to hear, man. Great news. Um, uh, so, just touching on one of the things you said when you said your cricket community, some of your friend circles within it, just out of interest, uh, whether it was during your time playing for England or now, who would you say is your sort of close-knit circle of friends, uh, former cricketers and things like that, just out of interest? 
Yeah, yeah, look, I'm good friends with Andrew Flintoff, uh, Michael Vaughan. You know, they're like my good friends. Um, awesome. I'm also, yeah, so th yeah, they're my good buddies. Um, no, that's quality. That is quality. All right, mate. Um, so earlier on, we were talking about how you were um, kind of so headstrong focused on making it um, in terms of your cricketing career. What, what I'm in intrigued to kind of know is at what point did you kind of feel like, oh, wow, I finally made it? Do you know what I mean? Like, was it like maybe your first call up to England? Was it maybe your first think, major think, contract? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think when I, when I, I think at international level, I think I made it when I took my first five five. Mm. I thought, yeah, I can play at this level and um, I'm, I'm really good. So, so for me, that, that, that was the case. So, um, I, you know, you're always questioning yourself. It's like a batsman. Once you start getting a hundred in the series and you start, in a couple of series, you get a few hundreds, you start thinking you're comfortable at this level. And that was it for me, you know, once I started getting wickets, started with Fifers, you know, I was very, very happy. Hey, you had some crazy, um, crazy stats, some of these wickets that you took in these test matches, like some high numbers. Um, what would you say is kind of like some of the best moments for you, like individually? There are a lot to pick from, so what would you kind of personally, you know, call your best moments? Well, I think some of our best moments would be um, Cardiff Test match. Um, I remember as a team when we won the Ashes in Sydney, that was brilliant. Mm. Um, I also uh, felt uh, really happy. Just, I think, just enjoying my cricket as well. Like whenever I played for England, I enjoyed playing for England. I didn't hold, I didn't hold myself back to any challenges. And I think that's how a lot of people remember me when they play for England. They're like, you know, we sometimes make the important, sometimes that is something that is so important, really important for pressure on ourselves. And I think a lot of people and teammates have learned from me. They go like, actually, why don't we just be like Monty? Just enjoy our cricket. Go out there, enjoy ourselves like he's enjoying it and he's helping us to perform. And yeah, you know, that I was always uh, like that. You know, I always like, right, you know, in front of 100,000 people, 20,000 people, I'm just going to, you know, play my best cricket and I'm not going to shy away from it. And, and, I, and I think I, I managed to, <laughs> for my celebrations, you can obviously see that I wasn't shy of uh, enjoying the moment. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that's quality, man. Um, all right, so we talked about some of the highlights. Um, was there any times where you kind of felt, oh, shit, like, I want to pack this in. Like, it's not for me or it's no longer, you know, working for me or you just didn't want to be there. I'm not talking about maybe if it was, um, you know, mental health issues and whatnot, but just generally, like, did you ever fall out of love of the game or was there any really bad moments when you were playing on, on these tours or whatnot that made you really consider your path, I guess? Yeah, I think, I think that, that moment comes when you don't perform well. So, like, like I said, if I'm using wickets and performances as a way of feeling really good, mm. but underneath not really talking about what's happening inside, you're still sugarcoating the, the, you know, the problem. Right? Yeah. Like, regardless, you're taking five wickets, winning a, a game for England, underneath, you haven't discussed what's inside you. And when you talk and you talk about your feelings and your thoughts to someone that you trust, it's like vomiting. It's like, you know, when you vomit and afterwards you feel great, you feel like really lighter, you feel like, oh, that feels much better now. It's like that. And you need to have these kind of discussions about your feelings, about your thoughts, which are. You know, it's just daily basis thing, you know, like whatever it is, whoever you can talk to. 
Um, and that's why, it's, yeah, that's why it's important, you know, to have someone like that in your life where you can can do that, talk about your feelings and your thoughts. And for me, when performances weren't going great, I would work harder, try harder, and gradually it gets on top of you, you know, little things like a dropped catch, appeal when the ball is like way outside leg stomach. And I'm thinking like, what are you doing? Why are you being so desperate to get a wicket? I'm desperate. I need a wicket. I need that feeling of a wicket so I feel good again. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't happening. And then it suddenly, you know, it got on top of me and I, and, I, and, I stopped, and I didn't enjoy playing cricket. And I was like, this is too hard. I'm not enjoying it. You know, and uh, that's when, um, you know, things got harder for me. And that, that's, yeah, you know, that's where you can start seeing, you know, behaviours, family, friends, start seeing unusual behaviors you know and uh you know just like yeah and and you know you that's the kind of stuff with then you know like i'm very lucky to have a family who are quite forward thinking quite you know can can actually um rationalize things in a logical way and kind of think well the best thing for wanting to get help is we need an external friend we can't do it and if they never did that, I don't know what could have been. I think things could have been even more worse for me. So I always, you know, I'm always grateful for my my parents. You know, they they saved me. You know, from you know from from you know things that could have gone a lot worse. So yeah, I'm always grateful and and grateful for their for their help. Yeah, nice. Um, mate, who would you say like kind of were your biggest influences in cricket? I mean, whether that's growing up watching people or even playing the game around yeah, no, you. Yeah, when I was when I was younger, I always looked up to Bishop Beatty, was big for me. And um, then when I played at Northampton, Nick Cook was brilliant, left arm spinner. There was Essex at John Charles, you know, uh, he knew a bit about me, but then I signed with Northampton. Nick Cook was really influential. David Capel was another one who helped me during the you know academy years. Uh, then we had Kepler Vessels. Like during when I played, Usman Afzal was really good. He backed me, even though there were times when we had some funny moments together on the field. I think David Sales, as a captain at Northlands, you know, always played me. And, and you know, um, me and Jason Brown, we had great, great times together. So Northlands was really good. You know, I had a great time at Northlands. Sussex was brilliant as well. You know, Mark Robinson, like a father figure, really just cared for you as a bloke and wanted the best for you. And he did it with everyone. You know, he wanted the whole whole team to do well. And he, especially, you know, he, he was, he was, you know, he was, he, he is a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy, really good coach, really good man. And, and a great man manager as well. You know, just, you know, managers, knows how to manage players, people. So I think he was good. And I enjoyed my time at Sussex. You know, people are lovely, nice, friendly people. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Essex was good as well, you know, Paul Grayson, great when he knew I wasn't in a good place. Mm. He kind of like helped me to get away. And then, you know, last year probably was, wasn't a great year when I missed a game on timekeeping issues and, you know, things just didn't go well after that. So, yeah, that, that's, that, that, that's how it was. Um, so, uh, it's, yeah, it's, look, you know, sometimes it's very difficult, you know, um, for everyone to be out there to help you. But if someone can help you and reach a hand out, you know, I think Andrew Flinter was brilliant. You know, he always kind of sent me a message. He said, look, I'm, I'm worried about you. Are you. Is everything okay? Michael Vaughan was, you know, like, he would, he would always, he would always like, I mean, he's good. He's good. He's just, you know, he was my captain, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, yeah, and he was, he was a good man. And, 
you know, he got the best out of me. So he kind of knows, you know, how to get the best out of me, you know, uh, certain individual. So, yeah, there's, you know, it's just, yeah, it's been, a, it's been, I've I really enjoyed playing for England. I, I had a great time. And uh, I, I love, I love to see if we can get back playing professional cricket again. Awesome. Yeah, brilliant. We'd love to see you back as well. Um, so, mate, I was, I was just wondering, did you ever feel like um, when you were playing for England, maybe against India, for example, did you ever feel that kind of sort of disparity of like, oh, you know, I'm not, not in a, oh, I'm a, it's the wrong word, but in a, in a traitorous way, not like that. But did you ever feel, oh, shit, I can hear the fans, they might be commenting on me, you know, I should be playing for India or this and that. Did you ever feel yeah, like look, you fully belonged within that England team? And did that sort of look, come to the, the forefront? Is, yeah, look, I, I know why a lot of people ask these kind of questions because there's a lot of people out there when they work for their companies or work for their dream job or they're living their dream, it's not actually as great as it sounds. Now, I was very lucky. I had a life coach and a mentor who I was able to speak to. You know, he was like, oh, I'm able to speak to him. And he was brilliant, you know, he passed away, unfortunately, two, two three years ago, you know, with smoke, smoking and, and he had brain cancer, so lung cancer. And um, he was uh, just brilliant at um, making me focus on, um, you know, the goal ahead. So he was, he was really, really good at um, identifying how to uh, get to the top, you know, how to get to the destination. So, you know, like, like my, my, my goal as a media broadcaster is, is to, you know, to be on Sky Sports, uh, to be at Test Match Special, to be like one of the, you know, main broadcasters. How do I get there? That's my goal and that's where I need to get to. And he was very good at plotting, you know, architecting, putting things together and getting to the top. And um, he would, you know, any conversation that wasn't related to getting to the top, he will try and um, not accommodate too much. He'll get my mind to be focusing on things about winning games cricket for England, taking wickets, performing. How's our fitness levels? What about your, um, you know, uh, you know, batting, your fielding skills? How's your interaction with the team like? And so, rather than thinking about that issue, oh gosh, you know, some of the Indian fans call me a traitor or blah blah blah. It, it, it didn't have any relevance towards, well, does this help you to get wickets? No. So why are we talking about it? So he got, you know, like we're going in a certain direction when we're in a car. And if we like, if, you know, there's traffic that way, we, we will take a right because there's a clearer road. He would always get me to talk. Always, you know, talk about performance, fitness, performance, performance. How are we going to win games for England? So then that, programmed my mind you know my mind got programmed to think right i need to win games ring i need to take wickets and that's why i advise people to have a life coach or a mentor because they're brilliant because you know you can it's your mind whatever you put in your mind that's the direction you go into so if you put your mind in you know positive things and you go in the direction where you want to go then you end up just going in that direction and i think that's you know that's why I'm, i was very lucky to have a, have a really good life coach and a mentor no, absolutely I mean, was, was your life coach, was, was he able to help you navigate through um, some of the uh, mental health struggles we talked about earlier? Or was it a different Well, time, the, time the thing period? was, I think, I think, I think the funny thing is, my mental health struggles happened when my relationship with him broke down after 2012. 
And then it was 2014, 15, maybe 13, 14, where, you know, things got a bit more worse for me because I didn't have anyone to talk to about my feelings, about my thoughts. I didn't have that life coach. And that's why, you know, probably that's where, you know, the mental health started to take place. So, yeah, it, it, yeah, things did become a bit more difficult for me. Um, so, yeah, you know, maybe that was one of the reasons, you know, I didn't have a life coach or, or a mentor to talk to. Uh, it was a quite, a, quite a lonely place to be. Sure. No, fair enough. Um, all right, Monte, I wanted to ask you um, about uh, sledging, right? Is this something I'm always quite intrigued by? Because uh, we don't know what's being said as fans, you know, whether in the stadium or uh, watching at home. What is some of the, like, maybe some of the worst bits of sledging you've received and even dished out, just in, like, wondering? Well, I wasn't a big sledger myself, and I used to laugh at other people's sledges, but... Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, sledging is an art, isn't it? It's, it's a way of disturbing a person from their process. Like mind games, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a mind game thing. And I didn't really go into too much sledging. So, you know, um, the worst sledge, gosh, what could I think of? I remember saying to Mahela J. Warden, I said, you know, you're scoring this 100 in Colombo. It's rubbish. You know, look, you're such a great player, but you've scored a rubbish 100. And he goes, well, Monty, if you keep bowling over the wicket, you won't be playing the third test match. <laughs> and, then I, then I, and then I played the third test match, bowling over the wicket, and I said, look, I'm still here. <laughs> and you are still batting like you're not a greatest batsman of all time in Sri Lankan cricket. Like, look at these youngsters looking up to you, and you don't even look like a great batsman. Right. That's the, that's, that was probably the worst thing <laughs> I've ever done. But mate, was this like, the way you describe it, this sounds more like it's in jest, like you're o o almost like um, in a respectful kind of way, you're sledging because he's not, he's underperforming. So you're not actually saying how like, shitty he might be, you're just saying you're not yeah, yeah. being as it's good just, as you can. Just, yeah, it's like, it's just getting him to think that not to feel so good about his hundred and then he'll <laughs> maybe, you know, not feel so self-satisfied about his hundred and then he'll think, okay, let, let up, maybe I'll just, and suddenly then, when I know he's being a bit lazy in his footwork and then I'll try and produce my magic delivery and then I've got him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah, like mind cool. games where, you know, his footwork is good. You know, his balance is good. He's playing my good balls really well. How do I stop him, you know, to, to you know, technically, you know, uh, you know, get into good positions against my good net bowling, you know? That's mm. what I need to stop doing. I mean, what, what were some of the worst you've ever received, though? Because I can imagine some people being quite raw. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, some people maybe take it too far. If you yeah, ever been some on... people probably would say, yeah, look, you know, you're a rubbish fielder. You can't even bat. It's like, you know, it's, it's like, what is this club cricketer doing playing for England? Hmm. Like that. That's, really that's fair enough. All right, man. Um, all right, we're going to wrap it up soon. Just got a couple more questions, if that's all right with you. Um, so we, we did touch upon this right at the start about your future plans, how you're still playing cricket. Um, we've seen you doing the media work and um, also you've been involved in some coaching, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Um, where do you see yourself moving on after cricket, per se? Would you like rather fo focus on the whole media aspect of, of things that like you mentioned with Sky or, you know, maybe yeah, go full-time yeah, coaching? Like become, yeah, become a, become a media broadcaster, TV personality, and then, uh, you know, go to yeah, coaching as an opportunity as well. Yeah, I'm open to all, all areas connected to cricket. No, that's brilliant, man. Yeah, we look forward to seeing you, hopefully, on uh, Sky more often then. Um, all right, Monty, we're just going to let you go, but I, want, I want, wanted to work, work through one quick exercise with you, um, if you can, hopefully quick fire. What I wanted to do is kind of see your, like, um, 
from all the players you played against and with, I wanted you to build basically a starting 11 lineup, right? In batting order, not batting order, doesn't matter, but just 11 players who you would have as the best players you've ever played with and against. Because you've played with a hell of a lot, that's why. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, so mate, I, uh, I mean, you can put yourself in that 11 or leave yourself out, but uh, which 11 would you choose then? Oh, right, as my uh, home or away, like. Uh, whichever, man. England whichever. players or, or non-England players? Um, well, let, let's do non-England because you obviously played with the England one. So let's do, yeah, anyone you played against them. Yeah. Okay, so non-England players, right? Mm-hmm. Right, okay, this is a good question. Opening will be Saywag, Hayden. Three is Ponting, fourth Tendulkar, five is Sangakara, six is... Callis, maybe. Nice. Seven is Gilchrist. Eight is... Getting to the bowlers now. <laughs> Anil Kumble. Nine, eight. And then eight, Anil Kumble. Then I'll have... Nine is Shane Warne. Mm. Ten is um, Ten is um, probably McGrath. And who who does who opens the bowling with McGrath? Um, Dale Stang, Dale Stang. Nice. That's Dale a pretty Stang. good team, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good team, isn't it? So, mate, you, you chose Shane Warne over Murali. Is that uh, something, like, consciously, like, you, you believe he was better and more difficult to face, or was that just in your experiences he maybe got the better of you, or uh, you, you saw, you've, I don't know, admired him, admired him a bit more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Awesome. All right, mate, um, we've taken enough of your time, so... Um, We'll wrap it up. Um, just want to say thanks so much for coming on, man. We uh, really appreciate it. It was yeah. a really interesting discussion. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Quality. All right, people. Hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, please remember to follow us, share our podcast, uh, give us reviews, good ones, hopefully. And, yeah, get the word out in the shed. All right, cheers, everyone. Stay safe. Bye-bye.